I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. here from a partly cloudy 50 degree Dallas, Texas, a little crisp and cool, and we're getting ready for snow as I hear. Well, we got a lot to cover, so let's get right into it. If you have any questions or comments, they have a chat box you can uh, join in on, or you can call in at 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. And I want to give a shout out to Dunstan Steakhouse in Dallas. They have two locations on Harry Hines and Lover's Lane. Great place to go. Good family atmosphere, good servers, good food, and great company. And I want to thank Doug and Fred for picking up a copy of Do Your Damn Job, Destination DC, Target Berlin, and Tamer, who is the manager for getting a copy of my satire of the cow Dallas Cowboys called Irving Titans. And if you like what you hear on this, want to support my work, you can go to Jeff Dawson, uh, Patreon, have an account there for other articles. You can go to LDD, LDDJ enterprises and all of my books are available on Amazon. Let's do a quick book review for, if you're a world war two fan, A Bridge Too Far by Cornelius Ryan is one of the best books up there with Earl Zemke on covering World War II. And this is what I like about him. He states the facts. He shows the flaws of the planning. He shows where the execution of Operation Market Garden failed and where it was successful without giving his opinion, which, you know, that is what we were constantly bombarded with today is opinions from our politicians and from our media. I do look forward to the day that we get back to facts. And that's what I try and cover is just the facts. And then you disseminate them. It was like a post that I put up on Facebook last night. I started a storm, which That was okay. I got a lot of different opinions from left and right, but we'll get into that later. So if you've never read A Bridge Too Far by by Cornelius Ryan, I highly suggest you get a copy and follow how that battle turned out. Of course, the movie is really good too, because, you know, it actually follows the book and the events that occurred. And that was really cool. We've got a championship NCAA football game coming up Monday, don't we? Ohio State and Alabama. I was born in Ohio, so I am a Buckeye to a degree. But I'm sorry, they have no business being there. What'd they play? Six regular season games? They didn't play a full season. Thus, they don't have the uh, 
more chances of players being injured and not being able to field a full team. But all of a sudden, they want to postpone the game a week because of a potential COVID breakout. Now, during the MLB season, if for those of us who followed it, you remember when the Marlins had a player test positive and they had a series with the Phillies? And then here came the numbers. Everybody's posted the numbers. How many of the Marlins were actually tested positive? And then they got put in quarantine and the Phillies got in quarantine, got put in quarantine. Yet for the national championship game, I could not find one article anywhere that said how many Ohio state players had tested positive. All you could find was, well, this squad might not be available. Well, why? How many have been tested positive? How many are going to have to be quarantined? Nothing there. Remember when Nick Saban got it? They thought he had it once and he didn't. And he had to coach from a monitor. But that's right. They said he couldn't coach because he wasn't on the field. And then he did test positive against the Auburn game. I don't know if any of the other players tested positive. They played the game. So this is supposed to be a national championship game, right? Well, as far as I'm concerned, there is no national championship this year for the simple fact that at one time about, oh, what were we, like halfway in the season when all of a sudden the Big Ten and the Pac-10 decided, oh, we need to throw our hat in the ring because they looked at all the revenue they were losing. And I did a post on that over the summer of just how much money these universities bring in what their operating budget is and how big of a percentage the football revenue is to their budget. Yeah. When they realized they were all going in the hole, they were like, I guess we better put a team out there, but how can you have five teams ranked in the top 20 that have played zero games? Now, as I said, I'm a Buckeye fan, but not this year. This has been a scam. It's been a farce. If you wanted to play football, then you should have done what all the other conferences did. We're all in. Let's roll the dice and let's see what happens. No, you waited until halfway through the season, actually a little longer and said, well, I guess we can play now. I'm sorry. If you don't play the same amount of games have the same amount of the ability to have players hurt, not the ability, but you're not running the same chance of players getting hurt. Then you didn't compete on an even field with your opposition, but canceling the game, wanting to postpone it for a week, just because you think you might have an outbreak. Hey, Ohio State, if you've got an outbreak, let's see the numbers. Alabama's ready to go. It's time for you to step up and get to the plate. Okay, enough of that. The Georgia results, boy, has that not been a wild ride. Now, going into this, I knew Kelly Loeffler had not a chance in hell of winning anybody who could rationally look at the candidates 
and look at the the primary voting and then the general election voting, I didn't give Loeffler a chance in hell. Not going to happen. Purdue, on the other hand, <clears throat> I'd still like to see a Georgia ballot because I'm really confused on how they did this when you hear these numbers that I've written down. If 800,000 800, voted for, uh, I believe it was Collins, and it's like, okay, if Purdue picks up those votes, well, then he wins the seat. Well, that didn't happen. And I'm still trying to figure out what happened. You know, they stopped the voting, like we saw in the general election. They stopped, and then they started recounting. And they said they had 160 to 200,000 votes left to tally. Well, fair enough. Well, finally, as of today, and they still haven't finished counting. I believe the number was 98%. They were actually up to like 148,000 votes. Yet the, was it Rathlisberger? who said that there were between 160 to 200,000 left to count. Okay. The numbers still aren't there and they're still counting. Now it's not going to change. If you look at the difference, Warnock is up 85,488 and Ossoff is up 47,342. But what is really interesting is the amount of voters that didn't show up. It's not like this was a midterm election where we know the numbers dropped down. It's not a general election. It's not a presidential election. But we were still in an election year. And correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think it's still an election year. On one ballot... The Purdue Ossoff, 513,233,000 fewer votes than were cast in the general election. And on the other ballot of Loeffler Warnock, 449,810 fewer votes. Now, I'm sorry, but that really doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. And some of the people I've talked to said, well, they didn't understand what was at stake. Well, what tree or log or rock have you been living under? I, I thought that was a ludicrous argument. You think the people in Georgia didn't know what was at stake? Well, that's just ridiculous. If both seats go Democratic, then we have a 50-50 in the Senate. And we know that when it comes to issues, if everybody votes straight party line, the tiebreaker is going to be Kamala Harris. Are you telling me Republicans in Georgia didn't know what was at stake? Now I heard, well, they just decided not to show up. Okay, my question is, why? 
I mean, Ossoff alone, he set a record in money raised for a senatorial race over a hundred million dollars. And I heard the debate of, well, George Soros did that. And you had the black man, man, I don't care. You raised a hundred million dollars. You would think that would have had a flood of voters. It would have been equal to or surpassed the general election votes in November, right? I mean, that seems to me to be logical and reasonable. Yet that didn't happen. The most money spent on two senatorial races and you get this pathetic turnout. I mean, really it is. Whereas when I, when I posted these numbers, one guy, he did say, well, you know, it's kind of a midterm, which we went back and forth on that, which was fine. But I brought up the battle in Texas when it was Cruz and Beto. Man, there was over 8 million votes cast in that. Yes, it was a little less than the 16th presidential race. But that was a phenomenal amount of votes because living in Texas, we knew what was at stake. So for someone to tell me that Georgians didn't know or didn't care of what was at stake, I'm, I'm not buying that. And I would really like to know why, whether Democrat or Republican, just decided not to show up. And does that make sense for you? Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me. Those are my thoughts. Now, we all know what happened on January 6th. I found an article. It was actually a uh, interview. Tulsi Gabbard, I know she's a Democrat. I don't care. I like her. If she would have been Biden's running mate, I'm all in. That gal is sharp, articulate, logical, and analytical. She was on the Rubin Report the day all of this was breaking report, and it's a two-part interview that I highly suggest people go watch if you haven't seen it. She says in the interview that during the summer, during the violence that was right, just reeking across America, that she had put together legislation for making sure the votes in November were secure and there weren't going to be any problems. She warned her colleagues that if we don't fix it now, we are going to pay for this later. Now, I haven't been able to find what she proposed, but you know how much support she got for that? Zero. She wanted to pass federal legislation for all the states 
and how they needed to handle their electoral process. And they said no. Now, I saw Crenshaw last night or yesterday morning on Fox saying it's the state's problem and the states have the hard work to do. Well, if the states don't want to change the way they do things, who is going to make them fix it? I mean, seriously, Pennsylvania election laws are done by the legislatures. The Supreme Court is there to rule on the laws, not make the laws. Right? Right. Well, this is where Pennsylvania got all screwed up. It's got to be fixed, but to just tell the states, well, you need to fix that. What if they don't want to? They don't have to do, they don't have to change how they conduct business, do they? No, it's not a directive from the federal government, so we're just going to carry on as we want to. Man, that is the wrong way to go. We saw how much angst and anger there is in this country. We saw it on on January 6th. We also saw it all summer long. And in some places, it's still going on in Portland, but the media isn't covering it because it's not a big story. Why? If it's still going on, is it not a story worthy of a segment instead of listening to whatever station you listen to and all their, quote, experts and bobbleheads? I mean, that's and that's all they are to me. I don't care what network it is. They're all bobbleheads that are being paid millions of dollars to give an opinion that when it comes down to it, they're just like weathermen and sportscasters. You can be wrong and there's no consequences. Yeah, how does that work out? Okay. So leave it up to the states. No, Tulsi Gabbard had the right idea. Let's get a nationwide program set up and let the states implement it. Postmarks. IDs and valid signatures that match to the voting poll books. Four things, four things. Why is that? Why is there so much blowback on that? I don't know. It seems pretty simple to me when you file your taxes, if it's not, if it's postmarked on April 15th, and Uncle Sam doesn't receive it for a week to 10 days, it's postmarked April 15th. No penalty, right? That's right, no penalty. If it's postmarked April 16th, guess what? You get penalized for late filing. Shouldn't that be the norm for mail-in ballots? 
absentee ballots. And this is where I will differ with what Trump said. Well, if it comes in late, you can't count it. If it's postmarked on November 3rd, it is a valid vote. Now, how long it takes for the post office to deliver that vote is in their hands, no one else's. But you can't just disenfranchise that vote because it showed up on November 10th. It was postmarked on the appropriate date, just like your tax return is, and it was delivered. That is a valid vote to me. Now, I want to make sure that it's filled out properly, the signature is correct, and you're on the voter rolls. Pretty simple concept, but the way our government's been running for, I don't know, the last 20 years or so, nothing is simple. <coughs> Excuse me, let's make it as convoluted as we can and just keep messing it all up. That's just nuts to me. So there you have that. Okay. Let's talk about Joe Biden and China. No, we're not going to talk about Hunter and all that. That's that story is going to get swept under the rug. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, we've seen this before. So we move on, but uh, he made a statement about China and I'm not getting in the weeds with all the conspiracy theories and this, that, and the other, this is what he said on December 29th, 2020. As we compete with China to hold China's government accountable for its trade abuses, technology, human rights, and other fronts, our position would be much stronger when we build coalitions of like-minded partners and allies that make common cause with China in defense of our shared interests and our shared values. And what the hell did he just say? That's about as convoluted and muddy as it gets. He needs to form a coalition with other countries. Dude, you've been in office for 47 years. And you don't know how to go after and approach China, you have to call everybody else to get their opinion. What type of leadership is that? What type of statement is this? Well, it's a simple one. It's rhetoric. It's political rhetoric. That's all it is. So I'm going to call up Germany and Spain and Portugal and Italy and Australia and Taiwan and Japan, and we're going to set together a commission, and we're going to decide where everybody sits, and then we're going to figure out who wants to be in charge, and then we're going to have to come up with an agenda, and then that agenda is going to have to be re-looked at, and then we're going to have to revise the agenda, and we're going to go back and forth for God knows how many years and not get a damn thing done. But we do have a coalition in place. Well, what's that coalition going to do? Not a damn thing. Trump was right on that. If you've read anything about China or Japan, 
on how their society works, it's all about saving face. Because if they can't save face, they're out. And Trump did force them in a corner. Yet he did give them the ability to save face. They don't have to worry about it with Joe. This statement says it all right there. I'm not going to take any hard action. He didn't take it as a senator. He didn't take it as a vice president. What in God's name makes you think he's going to do it as president? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you you got to take China serious. You know, and it's really sad that over 75 years ago, we're the ones that, along with the British, the New Zealanders, the Australians, freed China from the yoke of Japan. And if people don't realize how China came to power, Chiang Kai-shek was at war with Mao Zedong because Mao Zedong wanted to take over and nationalize China. Well, Chiang had him out on the run. And he let them go up into northwest China and just said, okay, we're done. They're, they're nothing. Well, during World War II, Tung built his organization. They stayed up in those mountains. They didn't come out. But China was still kind of an open country. Now, Russia, they, at the very end of the war, they just came rushing in and destroyed the last standing army Japan had, the Kwantung Army, I believe it was, and just wiped them out and took that land. Well, Mao waited until he thought the dust was settled and just went right through China like shit through a goose. Chiang Kai-shek couldn't get out of that country fast enough, and thus we have Taiwan. That's right. That's where Taiwan came into this. So you can say to a degree, we created what we're seeing today. Now, what are we going to do with it? And what are they going to do? And what are we going to do to protect Taiwan? Because China has been trying to get rid of them for decades. And we really heard about it when Nixon went and made his historic visit to China. They've never liked those people. And they don't recognize them. And with the current Chinese Navy, naval force, they could knock out Taiwan in a couple of days and there's nothing we could do about it. You really want to go to war over Taiwan. You better think about that. Now, Japan's a different story, but you have to stop it before it starts. We can't be like Chamberlain of the forties in appeasing Adolf Hitler. Well, I want the Rhineland back. I'm going to annex Austria. I want the Sudetenland back. No, now I want all of Czechoslovakia. Yet they signed the Munich Accords that basically said, 
go ahead and do what you want. We're not going to stand in your way because we don't want to go to war. And the Munich Accords turned into the death of over, depending on what number you look at, 60 to 70 million people and six years of bloodshed. Gee, what would have happened if Chamberlain would have said, in France, because France was part of this since they were allies, enough's enough. We have to stop him here. Hell, they said they'd support Poland. Yeah, that didn't work out too well, did it? That didn't work out too well. All right, that's another thing. Okay. On January 7th of 2021, for those of you that use Facebook, the CEO of Facebook sent out a letter to everybody. And if you didn't get it, I'm going to read it in its entirety. The shocking events of the last 24 hours clearly demonstrate that President Donald Trump intends to use his remaining time in office to undermine the peaceful and lawful transition of power to his elected successor, Joe Biden. His decision to use his platform to condone rather than condemn the actions of all his supporters at the Capitol building has rightly disturbed people in the U.S. and around the world. We removed these statements yesterday because we judged that their effect and likely their intent would be to provoke further violence. Following the certification of the election results by Congress, the priority for the whole country must now be to ensure that the remaining 13 days and the days after inauguration pass peacefully. Over the last several years, we have allowed President Trump to use our platform consistent with our own rules. At times, removing content or labeling, labeling his post when they violate our policies. We did this because we believe that the public has a right to the broadest possible access to political speech, even controversial speech. But the current context is now fundamentally different, involving use of our platform to incite violent insurrection against a democratically elected government. We believe the risk of allowing the president to continue to use our service during this period are simply too great. Therefore, we are extending the block we have placed on his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely and for at least the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete. So he's knocked off Facebook. He's knocked off, knocked off Instagram. He got knocked off Twitter. Okay, well, I ran into this myself years ago. A book cover I have for occupation was banned. I've seen it happen. And what I did back then, and I did the same thing this time, is I went to Facebook and I wanted to see what sites were still up that could be declaimed inflammatory, derogatory, divisive, possibly instill violence. Well, BLM still up. Trump, not my president, still up. Joe Biden, not my president, still up. There's a slew of them. And this is what I saw 
10 years ago when I put this book cover out for occupation, which is a vampire biting into a swastika. <coughs> Boy, did that get the pot stirred up. I found at least two to three dozen sites on Facebook that had the symbol of the swastika on it. They weren't banned. Hell, the movie Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, what a fine quality cinematic product that was, which is rated X, was up. And you could click on it and go to the movie. So my problem with this is this is selective censorship. And I did tweet Trump multiple times when the violence erupted that get out there and tell them to back down and back off. Now, if you recall the peaceful protest in D.C. this summer where they tried to storm the White House that people are kind of ignoring right now for whatever reason, I don't know. And remember when the media made fun of him because he was in the bunker? Well, I don't know. I have heard no reports on this. When the Capitol was breached, did Trump, was Trump forced by the Secret Service to go down into a secure area? I don't know, and I haven't heard anybody cover it, and I haven't heard anybody say it. Now, I vehemently condemn storming the Capitol building. They're in session. They're actually trying to go through and vote on the discrepancies in the process that we saw. So what were you hoping to accomplish? I can't see. Honestly, not a damn thing. Nothing. You just, whatever your idea was, it was poorly thought out. Of course, in a mob, that's usually the case. There isn't a lot of reasoning. You know, I'll get to this other example in a minute, but you just, whatever you were hoping to accomplish, you just blew it out of the water. You had senators and congressmen that were willing to object to certain states have a debate about it, vote on it, and move on. Your breach of the Capitol building was extremely unwarranted. It was unproductive. It was treasonous. And now you all are going to face federal crimes. That was really not well thought out, now was it? And all those who were going to voice an objection, well, they backed off. Now, Trump did come out. And he did say within, I don't know, what was it six or eight hours? I'd have to check the timestamp on the videos. But they took down his Twitter responses to that, that y'all need to just settle down, go home. We're the peaceful law-abiding party. And he should have said, get the hell out of Dodge and pull your head out. I mean, he always speaks plainly, doesn't he? Well, that would have been the appropriate message at the time. You just fucked it up, guys. Good job. Now, should he have had the rally? No. 
what are you trying to get across? Okay, so you presented the case or as the facts that were given to you on what you felt was illegal votes, discrepancies in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona, fine. What was the end game there? I didn't see one. If I have that many people showing up, I'm going to thank them for their support and move on. But he didn't tell him to storm the Capitol. He did say, we're going to walk down to the Capitol, just like all of the protesters for the Kavanaugh hearing. Remember that fiasco? Remember them interrupting the hearings? No, a lot of people don't remember that. And they don't remember the rioters in Portland trying to breach the federal courthouse. Why? Yes, this was different because it was the national government. Well, why the hell didn't it matter in Portland and Seattle and Minneapolis and St. Louis and New York City and Dallas, Texas and Jacksonville, Florida and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma in Los Angeles, California, why didn't it matter there when those governments were being attacked and police were being shot and civilians were losing their businesses and city blocks were being taken over by radical leftists? Why didn't that matter? Was that not an attack on our democratic principles and ideals? Or was that just something we'd leave off to the side and say, well, it just doesn't matter. And I did hear that from a lot of people that it didn't matter until it actually came into their own damn neighborhood and then they were shitting like kittens. It did matter. If you want to say this was a culmination of all that, fine. I will agree with that. You can't keep pushing people and not expect blowback at some point in time. So this censorship from Facebook, since I have felt it and seen it, I know what it's about. And I don't agree with it. But I will say this much, because I am going to send Zuckerberg a message on this. <coughs> you had a chance to stop this during the Obama years. Because that's where it started. Facebook was basically, uh, let's get laid sight. Who needs a date? Who's seen who? This was the whole concept. You want to connect with friends and use this instead of classmates.com? It's a much better platform. And, that, and it was. And then came the political crap from the right and from the left. And it evolved into this monster. Well, you know, when I'm working on a construction job and I see something's really about to go south and people are really going to get hurt and possibly die, I put a stop to it. And I've been in that situation where we were supposed to lay a line, but there was a 50,000 volt uh, power line in the ground and rock. You don't dig in rock. You, you dig in it, but if you hit something, you won't know until you hit it. 
And I told the state of Texas and I told the owner of the company I worked for, I refuse to do that. I will not put my men out there and have them killed. That's all there is to it. And they were like, are you serious? And I said, you can get somebody else to do it, but I will not be responsible if we hit that line and we kill this whole crew and anybody that was in 50, a 50 yard radius. Okay. I will not do it. And that's what Zuckerberg could have done if he had his head out of his ass and was watching this political rhetoric. Forget that he's a liberal. Forget that he is a Democrat. If you're a businessman and you're looking at this stuff, man, we got to stop all of this. We got to stop all the political crap on this platform or something bad's going to happen. And it has. Hasn't it, Mark? It's kind of gone to shit in the handbasket, isn't it? But then how much money are you still making off of all this? But you want to censor Trump and you want to censor conservative posts. All you're doing is fueling the fire. You want to simmer this down? It's real simple. You get all your programmers together and say, we're knocking all this shit off. Got it? Or are you going to leave it up to keep pushing a political agenda you agree with? I wonder. I wonder. Okay. I've written two articles this week. One, it it got some blowback because I put the wrong word in. And folks, let me tell you what. I'm a writer. And as a writer, you really got to proofread your work. Now, I'm not looking, I'm not making excuses. But I had two retinal surgeries on the left eye three years ago. And the left eye is just the optometrist and ophthalmologist. It took him two years until I could actually see through readers <coughs> and contacts. This was a real battle. Well, I can't get different powers in my lenses that's consistent because my vision changes from day to day week to week sometimes, but I did put the wrong word in an article and it's, and it was called when is enough enough. I used the word condone instead of condemned word autocorrect didn't catch it. Word said the word was spelled correctly spell check. I read it off the screen. Well, that was my mistake. I should know better. If I don't print it off and enlarge the font to see what I've written, these things will happen. And let's see. And it was about the January 6th break-in. This is what I originally wrote. And if I make a mistake, 
I'll be the first to admit it. In fact, one of the guys, uh, Doug, who bought Do Your Damn Job, was showing me. He just glanced at the back of the cover. And, hell, do I have a copy of that sitting right here? No, I don't. But just glancing at it, and this this is what an editor's credit. He just glanced at it and he said, are you sure about this word? And the context of the sentence was, don't waste my time or yours. The only problem is I used the word Y-O-U-R instead of Y-O-U, which really made me look like a dumbass. What, this guy doesn't know how to spell a simple word, use the right word? It happens. Thank you, Doug. I saw it this morning. You pointed it out. I corrected it. If people read my books, I don't care how long they've been out. If they find something that doesn't look right or the a word is missing or it was improperly spelled, which has happened, if they point it out to me, I don't tell them they're full of shit and move on. I take the time because they took the time to read what I wrote. I will look at their suggestion, and if it's wrong, I fix it. I don't dismiss them as our media does today in very important issues. Mine are minor compared to what crap we're getting off of the TV or the Internet or any other damn news site you go to. I'm smart enough to take constructive criticism and apply it appropriately. And I did it in this because this is this was the paragraph. Well, I condone the actions today. Yeah, what the hell were you thinking, Jeff? It is a precursor of the future. Joe Biden has repeatedly said he will work for all Americans, as did Ossoff for all Georgians. Time will tell by the policies they will enact and pass. The word condone was more than a misstep. That was just a dumbass writer's screw up. And this was pointed out to me by a good friend who reads my posts. And then if he sees something that doesn't look right, he will question what I was saying. And is that really it? And he was the first one to say, was it condone or condemn that you meant to use? Well, once I pulled my head out and looked at what I wrote, it's like, oh, hell no, that's not what I meant. I went in and I put the word condemn, which obviously changes the entire sentence structure and the line of thought, doesn't it? Oh, hell yes, it does. So if you are or want to be an aspiring writer, you have got to be open to criticism and thick skin because people aren't going to like everything that you write. And if they do find things that are wrong, you better be man or woman enough to stand up and say, yeah, that's a bunch of crap and I need to change it. And this is what I have learned in the 10 years that I have been a writer. It doesn't mean you're going to agree with everything, including your editor. 
but you've got to be open-minded. You've got to look at it in a third-person sense and move on. Learn from your mistakes. It's like one of my bosses years ago said, if you're not making a mistake, you're not trying. Just quit making mistakes. Darwin, that was really good advice. And yeah, I made mistakes working for him, but that was okay. All right, the last thing is I wrote an article last night, North versus South, Stars and Bars Again. And I wrote this because somebody, there's a picture of the Confederate flag in the White House during the breach. And this guy, his grand, great-grandfather fought for the Union. And I mean, the shit hit the fan. No, at least not on his side, but it was about to hit it on mine. And everybody jumped in. I just love it when people jump in. And of course, they're going to be in agreement. And it was ban the stars and bars. That has no place. It only belongs in a museum. You know, isn't that what we heard over the summer? So I wrote this article. And you can find it on my Facebook, Jeff Dawson, or... I have it on LDDJ Enterprises site. I knew it would get some blowback. It's not that I was defending the stars and bars. I'm giving a historical analysis of the people that settled, came from Europe for whatever reasons, and settled the new land and the government that they set up, and the businesses that they set up, and how we came together, even though there were individual colonies, it started to work together. The people that came over here were rebellious. Are you a, let me ask you that, how many of you are Protestants? What is the root of the word Protestant? Well, it's protest. So if you're not of the Catholic faith or Episcopalian, then you probably fall into the category of being a Protestant. Look at Henry VIII. He stood up to the Catholic Church because he wanted to get divorced. He couldn't get what he wanted. Couldn't get what he wanted. He couldn't get a male heir. Of course, he didn't know back then in the 1500s that you're the problem. It's not your wife. You just don't have the right chromosomes that are matching up, okay? Martin Luther, he'd had enough of the Catholic Church. And he told him about it. Yeah. Pope Leo X was not a fan of Martin Luther. John Calvin. John Knox. They're all radicals. They're protesters. Look at the people that came to the new world. Look who settled this country. We are a rebellious lot. We fought England twice. Because England tried to tell us 
what to do. We had a civil war because the North was telling the South what to do. Every time America has been told what to do, it has sparked a war. Or a country has tried to dictate policy to us. We are, and it's in our DNA to a great extent, rebellious to authority. And that is the beauty of the Constitution. It's written so that Americans can live their lives. Government is there to assist, not run our lives. Well, through this article, like I said, I give a brief overall history. But what it comes down to when it's all said and done is Germany was able to unite after the USSR collapsed. You had a capitalist and a communistic country that united. That didn't happen overnight, but they united a country that had been fractured since World War II. And they became one and became the economic engine of Europe. Here we are 159 years later and we are no closer to being united than water is to mixing with oil. Why? Answer me that question. Why can't we seem to figure this out? You know, Andrew Johnson had a chance to ban the stars and bars. He didn't do it. We had a chance to ban the rising sun after World War II. Truman and MacArthur didn't do it. That flag to me, when I see it at the Little League World Series, it really grates me. I don't have many Japanese friends. I did have a professor in college who was from Japan, and we got along famously because we discussed the war, even though it was failing calculus too again. <clears throat> that sign to me represents all the Americans that died, all the Americans, New Zealanders, British, Australians, and civilians that died under that oppressive flag during World War II and the hundreds, tens of thousands of prisoners that were worked to death for the empire of Japan. I have a problem with that flag, but I'm not going to lose sleep. I'm not going to be offended by it. We know why the swastika was banned, the Holocaust. That's a given. Uh, it, it just, but what if, Obviously, there still would have been, Germany would have had to come up with a new flag. They didn't have to come up with a new one after they lost World War I. 
And then since they got split in World War II, obviously you had two separate countries. So now you have different flags. But what does it take for us to come together? In my opinion, you got to turn off the news. And think for yourself. And when you listen to your politicians, whether right or left, listen to what they're saying. Not that they are supporting your position. Listen to what they're saying. Just like what I quoted word for word from Joe Biden. Listen with an open mind and open ears and not going to knee-jerkpedia to make a decision. You've got to be open and be able to analyze what the hell did they just say? See, Mitch McConnell was on the floor when they regrouped and got back together and stood there in his six or $7,000 suit and said, we won't be bullied. We won't be threatened. We won't be terrorized and blah, blah, blah. And all I'm thinking is Mitch, you got a bird's eye view of some really pissed off Americans. Now, as I said earlier, storming the Capitol was a heinous act and ignorant to say the least. You accomplished nothing. But those people in those halls better wake up. You did nothing over the summer to put the brakes on this. Whether it was a Democrat or Republican town, of course, what, 90% of them were Democratic? They did nothing to quell the violence. They did nothing to show, hold them accountable. What did they have? Basically, catch and release in California and Washington and Oregon. We're not going to convict any of these people. We're going to catch them and no bail is required. So here you go, but we're not going to charge you. We'll arrest you, but we won't charge you. You know, better wake up. Because there's some really pissed off Americans right now. But it's with the whole system. It's just not with the election. This has been building since 2000. Go back when Bush Jr. became president. My God, it was a hotbed of hatred between the left and the right. And I'm old enough to remember the scene after 9-11 of the House and the Senate coming together and singing. It was either the Star-Spangled Banner or God Bless America. 
that was a defining moment because honestly, I didn't think that would ever happen. Never, not with the political rhetoric that was flying from both sides, but it did. So for a glimpse, for a fleeting moment, we saw unity in Washington, D.C. Did it last? No. Why? This is the question that I pose to anyone. Why didn't it last? It didn't last after the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812. It sure the hell didn't really work after the Civil War. What about World War I? We were united in World War II and Korea, even though it's for some it's the Forgotten War. And yeah, we had the counterculture clash of the 60s. And for many, that is where things started turning south. We came together for Desert Storm. In, the, in 1990, why can't that feeling and euphoria and unity continue? Why is it just a flash in the pan or the glimpse of an eye, a blink? Oh, that was yesterday. This is today. We were united yesterday, but I hate you today. Why is that? And in this post, North versus South and Stars and Bars again, <clears throat> you can see it. I've got over 50 comments on this. And you can see the separation. Instead of reading this article, for what it was about. You mentioned the stars and bars and all hell breaks loose, and it sure did. Everyone's got an opinion, and they're all over the place. Just all over the place. They're getting off point of what I wrote about. So you ban the stars and bars, and you ban the Confederate statues, and you rename every building in the United States who could be possibly associated with segregation. Hell, Oklahoma State did it on some of their buildings. Dallas is wanting to do it to schools. How many military bases names want to be changed? How many more monuments and statues have to come down? You think that's going to fix the problem? They banned the swastika after World War II. Has National Socialism, the National Socialist Workers Movement, gone away? Hell no. Look at your posts on Facebook. How many people still want to use the stars and bars or the swastika to promote their own agenda? It's not going away. You can 
put them out of sight. You can sweep them under the rug. You can burn them. It's not going away. Look up some of the old newsreels of the Russians in Berlin, and they're picking up all this German paraphernalia and uniforms, and they're burning them. Well, they're out of sight, but did it disappear? No. Here we are 75-plus years later, and you see the swastika on Facebook on posts. You see the stars and bars on posts. You can hide it all you want to, but that's not going to change the mindset of people. And that's not going to cause unity period. So the question remains, what is it going to take to unify Americans? The only thing, as I said earlier, is an unbiased, unspun, factual, Oh, there's a big word. Media. All of them. You name the source. You name the newspaper, name a radio show, name a cable news channel or local news channel. And even WGN, who I promoted when they first came out because I was excited. I was watching it the other night, and I'll be damned if Dean Reynolds, who is their political announcer, is starting to already turn that dial to the left. I'm done with them. But I could tell about a month ago when I would, because I just watched snippets of it, and you listen to people talking, you're like, here it comes, here it comes, and by God, here it came. Fair and unbiased is what they said. Yeah, you hear that from Fox too. They might be on other stories they cover, but this guy, if he's going to be their reporter, no. The dial has already started turning. He wasn't stating facts. You could hear his opinion in those. Now, what are the chances of that happening in America? Probably zero. Why would you want a factual, unbiased news organization? Why would you want to report on an article that calls for unity? Remember when Joe called for it in his initial speech? Did you hear any unity in his comments the other day ago? No, that's all done out the window I don't know what it's going to take you know you see all the posts of civil war yeah you keep pushing back and like these two articles that I wrote when is enough enough in the north versus south stars and bars I would like to see it in my lifetime. I would like to see it for my grandchildren's lifetime. But at our current pace, 
I don't see it. I don't see it happening because everyone wants an agenda and everybody wants to support a side that they really don't understand what they're supporting. How can you support a Marxist organization in the United States? Yes, that would be Black Lives Matter. How do you support Marxism in the United States? Does that make sense? Now, if you want a real perspective, for those of you who have never seen the movie Dr. Zhivago, find a copy of it, get the download off of YouTube, wherever you go. Watch that movie in its entirety and soak it in. You want to see what communism and socialism and Marxism looks like? and how it affects what people think are the ordinary people. Watch that movie. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. And by the time that people realized what had happened, it was too late. It's a great film. Omar Sharif is brilliant in it, but is an excellent example of what happened when Lenin took over and the Romanovs were thrown out. It's really something to watch. Oh, and the last thing, this breach was referred to as a coup. Anybody really know what a coup is? We'll go back to your history books. In 1923, it was called the Beer Hall Putched. But this was somewhat organized. Adolf Hitler wanted to overthrow the Weimar Republic. And as they marched to the government building and they were armed, they were met by the military. 13 died in that failed coup. So Hitler winds up spending a year and a half in jail and he writes that god-awful book, Mein Kampf. It's, it's very difficult to read. But if you can get through it, you can see exactly what he's planning on doing. He doesn't make any bones about it. Just nobody believed it except Churchill. Of course, he still thought some of it was just too fantastical to believe, but he wrote it. And he figured out how to take control of Germany. He did it with force and he did it through the electorate and the polls. He actually became a really sharp politician and got everyone to sign on board with him. And once he got power, it was over. So to have called what happened on January 6th, the coup is absolutely ridiculous because there was no plan to take over the government. There was no plan to replace all these representatives and these senators. A coup is organized. There is a lot of thought that goes behind performing one. And in today's world, you have to have the military and you got to figure out how to shut down all the satellite signals for the news networks 
if you really want to do one, I mean, that's kind of the basics. Look at July 20th of 1944 when the Germans tried, the military tried to overthrow Hitler. Obviously, the bomb didn't work. Hitler lived. But if Stauffenberger and his organization would have been organized and been able to shut off all communications from the Wolfschanz, it could have been successful. But it wasn't because not everyone in the organization did their job. And that only wound up in like, what, another 3,000 Germans being tried and executed for treason. So if you're going to, that's why this was not a coup. There was no organization to it. There was no thought to it. There was no plan. There was just, let's go through the doors and see what happens. And let these people know just how pissed off we are. That's not a coup. That's just a bunch of pissed off Americans voicing their opinion in the wrong way. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I hope you will take the time to look up my books and buy one or two because I cover every genre there is. I've got two poetry books, two baseball coaching manuals, my sci-fi, time travel, political um, thriller. That's modern day, the Vampires versus the Third Reich series, a couple of short horror stories. And one of my favorites for fun was since I'm 60 years old, I was a guinea pig of the 70s and 80s of electrical devices. And then two fine quality works of dating Russian brides. Now, that was a lot of fun to write because all it is is just correspondence between these girls that want to leave Russia and come over here and marry me, which, yeah, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Excuse me, but it sure was fun to do. And there's some other works out there. And if you really like the content, please support me at Jeff Dawson at Patreon. I'll be putting a lot of other posts up there and information that I hope you will enjoy. And I believe there's a sale or two out there. And that is all I have for today. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. And I will see you in two weeks. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com, websites, LDDJ Enterprises, and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com, or on Twitter at jeffdawson59. 
Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.